RadioInfluence.com Why, Crusher, it's good to see you. You're listening to Crush Performance with the Crusher, Jeff Crushell. Get in on the talent grid and text Crush at 101260 with your questions, comments, or smart-ass remarks. All right, everybody, welcome to Crush Performance. It's Jeff Grishel here, the con man behind the glass, keeping us on track. And we're your weekly source for performance information. Hey, listen, reach out to us. Crushperformance.com is the website. You can follow me on Twitter at Jeff Crush and on the social media platforms. I'm getting better. I'm not going to profess to be good at it, but I am uh, certainly getting better. Uh, Instagram, I've been trying to master the art of social media. You can search out Crush Performance for Instagram, Facebook, and our cool new YouTube channel. And we're just trying to share all the good information when it comes to performance and helping you tap into your potential. And listen, if you have an idea or a topic you'd like us to investigate, let us know. We've dedicated segments, even entire episodes to your ideas. We love them all and we answer every single message that we get. And uh, we love them all, so, so do get to us if you can. And today on the show, you can text us. If you have any questions, comments, or smart remarks, you can get to us at uh, 101260. Standard text rates do apply. And uh, we got a really big show. In studio today, we will be talking about player performance, player health, injury prevention, and just some of the things that we've learned over the years when it comes to helping athletes perform. In studio, we are joined by T.D. Forrest, the head athletic trainer for the Edmonton Oilers. And uh, joining us later on in the show is the head trainer for the Edmonton Eskimos, Nate Hay. T.D., thanks for joining us today. Thanks, Crush. Appreciate it. Yeah, really excited. I was hoping that Nate would join us in studio. Uh, Nate... TD and I worked together in the CFL for the Edmonton Eskimos. It was, uh, we were a dynamic trio, I think. It was really fun. I had a lot of fun working with you guys there. Learned a lot as well. And I was hoping to reunite us here in studio. But of course, with uh, travel and the Eskimos coming off their big win yesterday, uh, they didn't get in until 4 a.m. So treatments were pushed back. Nate will join us later. And uh, I-, I wasn't sure I was actually gonna- going to be here. I was flying right, in. Yeah. yeah, I was flying in from Brazil. I sent the guys the messages uh, that, hey, uh, my flight's delayed coming out of Brazil. I'm not going to arrive for my connection in Toronto. Uh, but it worked out that I came here almost straight from the airport. And uh, you, you know, TD travel, you travel as much as anybody being in pro sports. It's, it's a tough gig. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And you know what? I've, I, I still, when I come home from a trip, I'm usually gone for two weeks at a time, maybe a bit longer, 10 days to two weeks typically. And I get to the airport and I kind of still want that, you know, the family running towards you, jumping up and <laughs> hugging you, you know, the sign, welcome home. Yeah, it doesn't happen. <laughs> no, there's nothing. I phone and say, I said, Hey, I just landed. Oh, okay. We'll be there about half an hour. I'm going, what half an hour? I've already been delayed almost two days. And I walk you through there today and there, you know, there's a little catwalk over the, over our airport yep. that, that people can get to is to go to the observation next. You watch planes take off, but you can also see people coming in towards the baggage area. Yeah, right. And so yeah. there's families up there today waving at the people coming <laughs> off the plane. I'm going, ah, I just <laughs> sort of long for those days. I don't know. It just doesn't happen anymore. No, it doesn't happen. No, either. not when you travel as much as we do. That's yeah. for sure. Yeah, for sure. So, so, you know, again, you, you land from a trip like this and you kind of just want to get home. Um, so we, we, my wife picks me up and it's all great. And we're driving away. She goes, Oh, Hey, I just want to stop by, um, this little, this little, um, event, this farm event thing. I'm going, what, what's that? I kind of just want to go home. I got to got the radio show this afternoon, 
But I don't know if you knew this. It's actually turned out pretty good. I didn't want to stop anywhere. But we pull into this little farm. It's called the Spruce Park Ranch um, uh, Farm. And it's uh, the Alberta Open Farm Days. And so in certain little farms and spots around all over Alberta today, they got these little, I don't want to call it a trade show, but these little events happening. So we pull into this little place and this little country store out in the country, close to our home. And uh, it was fantastic. They had old machinery out there and some historical stuff. And they had tents selling things like a little flea market and a cool, cool little store. And I'm going, oh, man. But it actually turned out to be pretty cool. Getting off a plane, moving around a bit. Um, and you could check this out. I had a great time. If anybody here, I was really enamored with this. If anybody in Edmonton is looking for a cool thing to do this afternoon, I think they close at 4.30 or, or even tomorrow, it's Spruce Park Ranch. You can check them on Instagram at Spruce Park Ranch uh, and spruceparkranch.com. It was really awesome. They had like an old accordion player there. Yeah, yeah and it was fantastic. And I, I'm just sort of biting my tongue driving, you know, and I'm going, I really don't want to Do stop. they do that every weekend or just this weekend? This is once a year thing. Oh, it's wow. once a year. And then supposedly there is these little, you have to apply and these little farms get picked. And uh, you set up these events and you get on their website. And anyway, it was pretty cool. Getting off the plane, sort of the last thing you wanted to do. But it was fantastic. Fun. Did you have lunch there? Or? We, we didn't. We had a little snack because I just got off the plane. Of course, we had a little snack there. Great food. And uh, yeah, it was pretty good. Neat, neat yeah. idea. Yeah. yeah. I like that up. Good. Yeah, pretty good. So anyway, I digress. It's been a long, long uh, couple days of travel here. Brazil is on the bottom part of the world. And yep. now we're way up north. Yep. And it's amazing what you can do with today's day and age in terms of travel. Oh, yeah. It's unbelievable. It is. Yeah. The, the things that uh, we look at and, and the science goes through it and the things that we've talked about, uh, uh, you know, amongst ourselves in, in different leagues and at pro sport and even even just individuals when they're traveling a lot. It's it's changed a lot in, in the last few years for sure. Yeah. And TD, you know, I'm so glad you're in studio here today. We'll talk with Nate Hay, the uh, head athletic trainer for the Edmonton Eskimos later on. Hopefully he'll be able to join us over the phone. But, you know, one of the things we always talk about on the show is, you know, how do you help athletes understand the process of getting better? And I often find, especially the developmental le levels, TD, that Everybody wants to jump too far ahead. They want to be so perfect and they want to be so advanced and so orientated in skill and competition that I think we really miss some very important pillars when it comes to performance. In our system, in our programs and stuff we talk about on the show all the time, in terms of our hierarchy of four top priorities, rest, recovery, and sleep is number one, nutrition, hydration. I like to look at posture, range of motion for the athlete. And then we start focusing on movement from an athletic standpoint. So then we can hand them off to the coaching staff. So the coaching staff can help the player maximize his playing ability. Yeah. And you and I had a really interesting conversation. Uh, I think it was maybe a year ago, just talking about sleep and recovery. And I'd actually read an article at that time about the time zones that an NHL team crosses <laughs> over oh, yeah. the course of the season. Back and forth. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's, un it's unbelievable. Just, just um, going from uh, one city to the other and, and going from conference to conference. And, and um, it's something that we are always trying to set our watches back. And even last year we went over to, uh, uh, we went over to Sweden. So that was even, you know, a, a larger time zone change that we've, that probably the biggest one we've ever had since I've been with the club. Yeah. And I think, you know, when we talk about player performance, I, I often say, hey, look to the pros because there's so many great resources up there. So, so much access to in incredibly intelligent people and specialized people. Um, I know from the standpoint of the, in the professional world, athlete management is key. And in these competitive schedules, um, you know, I don't really think they're geared for 
maximum performance. So I think you have to have to, would, would you, would it be safe for me to say that we're looking for ways and you guys are looking for ways to maximize performance in that environment? Oh, oh yeah, absolutely. And I think you hit it uh, when you said about recovery, like if, if, if our athletes, all pro athletes, uh, if, if they're not recovering, um, they're not going to be able to maximize their performance. So uh, a lot of times what we're looking at is, is if we can maximize recovery, rest and recovery, um, and then of course the nutrition, then we're going to be able to try and maximize the performance. But if we're not doing those things, we're not doing, like you said, those pillars uh, of uh, recovery and, and rest and, and nutrition, then the other stuff is just, you know, it's basically working on wobbly legs. That's what's right. happening. Uh, I like that analogy. We're talking with TD Force, the head athletic trainer for the Edmonton Oilers. He's joining us in studio today. Uh, we're going to be talking a number of topics, specialization. We'll talk injury trends, player performance. We're going to be talking about head injuries, what we know about concussions later on. If you want to get to us or have any questions, uh, let us know. 10-12-60 is the text number. Um, TD, I really like that approach. And, and I think, you know, for a lot of our uh, parents, and developmental athletes, this is a strong, strong message to send because if we look at the amount, you know, I'm actually pretty proud to be a Canadian because of, you know, the emphasis we have on sport and our approach to sport. And, you know, from a, from a national level, the long-term athlete development program is a really, really smart program. And one of the components inside that program is the, uh, the ratios of competition to training. And, you know, for the different age groups and age categories, they have a, a sort of a, a ratio of competition and training. And in the younger ages, you know, the, the emphasis should be more training and skill development. Mm -hmm. But we tend yep. to go the other way. Oh, yeah. And I think it's really sort of caught up with us and sort of setting us back, I think, in a lot of ways. Well, it, it's hard in pro sport because the bottom line is, is it's entertainment. And, um, you know, you're getting your product out there and, and um, you know, they're... They're, they need to be out there. They need to, you know, like in, for example, football, you, you, you have to recover. It takes longer to recover because it's, you know, it's like a car accident happens every, every week for these guys. And, um, whereas is hockey, it's a little more forgiving because our, you know, our, our surface is, uh, is not ground, it's ice and it's slick and then you can move around. But, um, yeah, it is, it's tough to be able to know that, that you're, 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 pra you're, you're playing that, that many times and you got to really structure your practices. And a lot of times, you know, at the professional level, coaches, you know, maybe the typical schedule is in football might be, you know, four practice days and then a game day. But if your guys aren't recovering or if you've had a long trip or uh, it's a shorter time between games, then you reduce your practice because you still have to maximize the performance and, and play that game. And the same type of thing ha happens in pro hockey. Sometimes the coach might have a practice scheduled, but you can sell, tell that, we, like you say, you, you, you relate. So sometimes flights are delayed, you get in late. Uh, next thing you know, well, you have to cancel practice. Maybe you do a light workout or maybe you, you do some type of recovery strategies because just to get ready for, for the game. And that, and that is one of the tough things about any pro sport, you know, whether you look at rugby or you look at soccer or, or hockey, football, whatever, whatever it might be. Um, you know, the games are the tests. The games are what uh, pays the bills. The games are and what everyone watches and, and, you know, you're, you're not getting millions of people watching practices. You're getting them to watch the games and that's what you got to try and maximize for. So sometimes those practices, um, sometimes they get, uh, uh, lost by the wayside, but most pro teams will use those days and they'll figure out a way based on what's happening, like why we were late or, or why we can't practice today, what we need to do to maximize that. And sometimes it might be a hard practice. Sometimes it might be a light practice. Sometimes it might be just straight, uh, you know, recovery strategies. Uh, it could be a light workout. It could be a cardio workout. And that's when, you know, you get the medical staff and the, 
and the strength and conditioning staff and you get the coaching staff. And sometimes you get a player in because, you know, as staff, we don't always feel what the guys are going through. Yeah, right? good point. Right. And um, so you get those people and you get and you have a discussion. You come up with the uh, with what you guys think at the time is the is the best answer. And and, um, uh, you know, you try it and if it works then you keep that in your back pocket, if, if you try and it doesn't work and and for whatever reason you, you didn't have a good game or the, the players didn't feel well, feel well, then what you do. You just put that in your back pocket and say, okay, we'll, we'll try and stay away from that the next time. Yeah, I love the idea of getting the players involved in these conversations as well. Yeah. One, you get some buy-in, but you're so, so right. Those guys, they're living it. And it's sometimes oh, yeah. hard to really understand where, where they're at. And, and when they can get some ownership in what's happening, I think that's a powerful thing at every level of sport. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, like I think at certain levels, I mean, you have to give them more direction and, and maybe a little bit of... Uh, uh, input and then you know based on what level they're at and what experience at and what knowledge they have then they'll be able to give more uh, more of their thoughts on that uh, on what should happen but again you know like coaches or management they still have to be the ones that kind of drive the uh, drive the boat and and make sure that we're doing the things that we need to do and then get the input from everybody and still make that decision and the, the big thing is is once you make the decision everyone's got to be all in there can't be any doubts if you have doubts you got to address those doubts beforehand yeah love it and i think that applies to every single level of sport td one of the big things that we've been addressing here on the show this year is a specialization in sport your father um uh, you've been in building your career around sport yep. uh you are a multi-sport guy yep. you know yep. if we think about it, even yep. in your career yep. you know yep. you and i worked in pro football and now you're in pro hockey yep. what a great combination that is coming up later this fall we're going to be talking to david epstein about his new book range which is Good. solely nice. talks about the importance of having a diverse uh well-rounded background and how that's sometimes more valuable than really narrow specialized uh um learning or or understanding um how important has it been for you to be able to go through the pro football world and now use some of that knowledge in the hockey world? I've always been fascinated to talk to you about this. Oh, well, the specialization. Well, and about, from your own experience, like yeah. test, you've lived pro football and now you're living pro hockey. Has pro football, because that's where you started, yeah. has that helped you maybe... Um, be oh, better at hockey? Oh, I mean, no, no, it's helped. Absolutely. Yeah, like, yeah. I, I, it has. Like, I think you, um, even when I've done uh, college basketball, when you're going through your university career or wrestling or field hockey or whatever, you pick something up from those sports and then that there, that's in your toolbox and it'll stay without, you know, for you, for your career. Um, and it's, it's important to have that. Like those are the experiences. And, and I guess thinking about it, your analogy about, you know, not, trying to specialize too much if, if you only work one sport you or if i only work one sport i might not have picked up all those little tips and tricks yeah. in those other sports right. and and there's no question um you know what i say is that uh um if you've ever worked football you can you should be able to work any sport because you have and i think i've told you this before uh, as a therapist um you've got very tall athletes very heavy athletes very short athletes uh, very slight athletes um, you got athletes that don't run very far. You got athletes that run fast and far. You got players that throw, some players that don't. And you got to be able to, um, you know, take an injury like an MCL for an offensive lineman versus uh, an MCL for uh, a defensive back is going to be two different things the way you're going to end up uh, getting them back into their sport. Now, maybe initially, you know, you're going to do very similar things, but as, as the time goes on, then you're going to be doing totally different things to get them back to be able to do what they do. 
Yeah, I like it. And and I want to continue this discussion. We got to cut out for a quick break here. When we come back, I think Nate Hay will be joining us with the Eskimos so we can continue this discussion with Nate on board as well. Uh, but I want to talk more about specialization and how it's helped you. It's certainly helped me in my career. We'll talk to Nate about, about his background as well and, and how it's helped him. But then I want to talk about specialization in sport because we're seeing some very interesting trends in the developmental levels. And then I want to talk about head injuries and we'll get into some of the techs that are coming in. So everybody, uh, more discussion on sport performance, player performance, player health, injury prevention with TD Forrest, the head athletic trainer from the Edmonton Eskimos. And coming up after the break, we'll be joined by Nate Hay, the head athletic trainer for the Edmonton Eskimos. Stick around. More Crush Performance right after this. This is Crush Performance. If you have questions, comments, or smart remarks, write to us at crushperformance.com. Hey, welcome back to the show, everybody. Jeff Grishel here, the con man behind the glass, keeping us on track. Get in touch with us. Crushperformance.com is the website on social media. Follow me on Twitter at Jeff Crush and Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. You can search Crush Performance. We're just hooking you up with the uh, world of sport performance. Again, I think one of our jobs here, the way we see it, is to help everybody get thinking about things we should be thinking about. But that's a two-way street. We answer every single message we get. And uh, sometimes the uh, ideas you send in to us turn into an episode or a segment of a show and it's happened uh, recently. So please do get in touch with us with your questions, comments, smart remarks. Uh, Connor, haven't seen you for a while. I just want to say hello. How are you doing, big fella? Oh, crush. Things are going good. I'm glad you made it back on time. Yeah, yeah. There were some risks there. Yeah, yeah, there were some risks. Uh, For everybody who doesn't know, I flew in this afternoon uh, from Brazil. My flight was delayed, missed my connection in Toronto thunderstorms this morning in toronto almost didn't make it but we we're here the show must go on so so it uh i was really looking forward to this one yeah absolutely some great feedback coming in at 10 12 60 of course we always love the texts that come in there and uh glad you made it back in time yep awesome and i'm really glad that uh, td forrest the head athletic trainer for the edmonton oilers is joining us in studio and on the crush hotline we are joined now by nate hay the head trainer for the edmonton eskimos nate thanks for coming on over the hotline here Hi, Jeff. Yeah, thanks a lot for having me. Yeah, no, so glad you can make it. I know that um, speaking of delayed travels and rest and recovery strategies, you guys wound up getting in a bit later than you thought from uh, the game. Uh, you guys got in at 4 a.m. last night, I believe. Yeah, it was a late game yesterday. So we, uh, I, I think it just was a slow game, I think. And then by the time uh, we got to the airport and always delays and sometimes getting the, st- the truck there and stuff like that. And by the time we got uh, got home and landed, it was... Yeah, three thirty, three forty-five in the morning. So it was a late one last night. Yeah, always a little easier after a big win. Oh uh, yeah, so much, <laughs> so much better in football. Everything is about winning and losing. So the plane ride, hey TD, the plane ride is a lot different uh, with a win versus a loss. Yeah, absolutely. It's always it's what it's winning or misery, one of the two. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Hey, so for everybody who doesn't know, TD, Nate, and I uh, all work together as a team with the Edmonton Eskimos as we were uh, building that program up. TD's gone on now, of course, taking over the head athletic trainer job for the Edmonton Oilers. Nate stepped into the head training job for the. Um, Edmonton Eskimos. Nate, I, hey, TD and I were just sort of talking about player management and rest and recovery and the importance of that, those types of strategies. It's one of our top priorities at every level of sport. And we know in football is an interesting one. Um, a football is, a, of course, brutal contact sport. And sometimes the recovery strategies um, are, are, I don't want to say ignored, but maybe in the developmental levels are, 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 are one of the most important factors, don't you think, Nate? Yeah, we've we've really focused on it a lot here in the last couple of years for sure. Um 
you know, we do, we focus on, we have specific days just dedicated to recovery now and trying to get guys uh, come in and do mandatory rundown recover days. Um, we have rooms that we call restore rooms and recovery rooms. Um, we've actually hired a, a guy named Kyle who's come in and, and helped us with some human performance um, and uh, done a lot of uh, good things in terms of uh, the Norma techs that we use, the air relax bags, uh, getting guys in and out of the hot and cold tubs, um, different techniques that we have with, with, that we use our hands or um, like Graston type techniques. So a lot of a lot more focus on it now um, with higher levels of performance and expectations, I think. Hey, so here's a question for you guys. Nate, we'll start with you here because you're coming off of this. Um, I, I had the uh, honor to speak at um, MLB Winter Meetings this last year, addressing all of the teams. Huge honor. And, and they phoned me to talk about recovery, recovery strategies, because they knew it's one of my passions when it comes to sport, sport performance. And there's so many options out there right now. And one of the things that we now know is just like the body adapts to exercise and stress, it also adapts to recovery strategies. Nate, all those things you mentioned are really, really important. But for, let's say, the developmental athlete out there, the coach, maybe the parents, uh, what are some of the things younger athletes or families, sporting families can think about in terms of recovery, um, things they might be able to do at home that, are, that you find might be really important for them? What? Oh, is it me? Sorry. Yeah, yeah, Nate, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that when if you're if you don't have access to some of the more expensive things or higher tech things out there, that the fundamental things are important, like um, still making sure to get really good warm ups in, cool down after cool down stretches, um, you know, day after games, making sure you get your body moving and you're not just sitting in a chair watching Netflix and those kinds of things. Making sure you're doing lots of movement, stretching. Um, if you have access to hot and cold tubs, that that's good. Uh, just more about taking care of your body. Um, um, and and maybe keeping compression on if you have compression sleeves, um, you know th- things like that. I like it. And, and TD, you and I have talked about this many times before. And as much as we pay heed to rest and recovery and sleep, and we know the importance of nutrition and hydration, the mental game is also important. So not only do we need to recover uh, physically, but over the course of these grueling competitive pro seasons, the mental side is really important as well. Well, yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, and it it fluctuates. It fluctuates from um, your your mental st- status or, or how you're feeling about yourself mentally uh, will change on based how you're playing. So if you're playing well, it might be one way. If you're not playing well, um, if you're not going back to this, if you're not getting sleep, you know, you 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 mentally you might not just be able to absorb those things. If you're not getting the right amount of sleep or right quality of sleep, the things the coach told you the day before. Um, you know, that's not going to, that's not going to be able to, uh, absorb and you're not going to take that in. Um, and I think just, you know, society in general, we've started, um, being more aware of the challenges that people have with, with, uh, the mental side of the game, whether, whether that be the anxiety, depression. Uh, and that's something I think is we, we continue to need to do a great job with that so that we have a good foundation to be able to build on that. So, you know, there's the performance side of the mental game, but uh, if you're not taking care of those things that are causing stressors or, or taking those things that are, that, uh, are like finding the things that make you feel better about yourself, uh, if you're not taking care of them, then that performance side is going to take a hit for sure. Yeah. So that leads me into the, my next line of questioning. We're talking with uh, TD Forrest joining us in studio, head athletic trainer for the Edmonton Oilers, the NHL, and Nate Hay, the head athletic trainer for the Edmonton Eskimos of the Canadian Football League. Um, guys, uh, the injury side of it. We know this can be 
a very traumatic um, um, situation for a lot of athletes, of course, on the physical side, but also from the mental standpoint. The stress in professional sports when an injury happens um, is incredible for a number of reasons because you want to be in there, fear of losing your job, the career and earning the money, of course. But we see the exact same situation going on at the developmental levels when sports so important. Um, Nate, for, for athletes playing football and athletes you've been around in other sports, um, what have you noticed that works when an athlete gets injured to keep them sort of on the positive side of things? Do you guys have a strategy for that, Nate, or things that you've seen over your career? To keep players positive? Um, yeah. Yeah, I think, well, there there are mental coaches now, and, and there's just a lot more uh, emphasis now than there was even five or ten years ago on talking about uh, the mental health and, and making sure that if you do have anxiety, like a lot of times people used to hold that in, and now I think we try to deal with that. And a lot of players are a lot more open with that and coming up. Uh, even through younger sport and uh, CIS sport, uh, U sports and and stuff. So, yeah, I think that just uh, talking about it, being open about it, there's a lot more acceptance with it now, and I think that that has really made a big difference. Yeah, TD, of course, in professional sports, the social media, um, the television, the radio talk shows, a lot of pressure on the guys when they're injured or maybe not playing well. How do you guys deal with that? I mean... um, even young kids, we're seeing try. You guys, I have friends who have little seven, eight-year-olds. There's talent tryouts. They're getting ranked and tiered in these high-pressure tryouts for little kids. Um, we're seeing it at all levels of sport. Is any advice from the standpoint of you know that the social media side and guys get injured? They're all over the news. Yeah, no, I mean, I guess you could look at that question so many different ways. But yeah, just on the social media side of things, I think. Um, you know, more and more athletes are uh, trying to uh, minimize what they read about themselves in the negative aspect, but still trying to be able to, uh, you know, get their messages out, get still be uh, connecting with the fans um, and, and trying to show that side. But I know more and more pro athletes are trying to minimize, um, you know, that, that interaction of seeing all those negative things uh, on social media. And I mean, anybody in any, any sport or any, occupation if you constantly saw people saying bad things about you it's not going to be good for you mentally so that's one of the things i think that uh you know we have to be careful about and the other thing is uh you kind of touched on on injuries um you know like if it's a small injury uh sometimes they just have to uh you know figure out ways through our help to just kind of keep being able to play as long as it's safe uh and and get through that injury until um, until they're able to, you know, either uh, get rid of it or if, if so that's kind of like one way that their mental state has to be. Another one is, is that, okay, they're starting to go through it, then they're in pain. And then it becomes to a point where, you know what, um, either as a medical staff or as an athlete, we got to get together and say, listen, this is just too much for you. you. I mean, too much because it's not safe anymore. So then we have to take that and take that away, or I don't want to say take it away. I said we have to sort of redirect what they're doing. Yeah, right. And 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 that's tough, you know, because they want to be out there with their buddies and and their teammates, and and they have to go all through that. And then there's the other the other one when someone has a traumatic injury, and 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 first finding out that okay, you're going to be out six months. I mean, that's that that that's something they have to deal with and that's not easy and and so we have strategies of things that we can you know help them with and then then the, the one end or the other end when they're returning back you know if they've been out for a period of time whether you know it's usually a longer period of time 6 weeks or more they they got to get that confidence back that they can actually uh 
have confidence in what their injury, if they're, they're, they're not going to get re-hurt and that they can next perform. So they got to get over both of those hurdles. And, and there are some um, psychological, psychological evaluation tools that, that are out there that are excellent. And, and there's just little questionnaires that, that, that the athletes will kind of uh, check off and put numbers to. And, and then when you add them up and you do some, some calculations, you can say, you know what, you're, you're, you're just not there yet. And that's okay. We know that and we're going to continue to working. Or, yes, you know what, mentally you're ready to be there. But physically we know you're not. So we're going to have to hold you up. We're going to have to get you so that Love physically it. you're there. And then let you go. Yeah, the awareness sometimes is the yeah. big, big part of it. Uh, we're talking with TD Forrest in studio, the head athletic trainer for the Edmonton Oilers, and joining us over the Crush Hotline, Nate Hay of the Edmonton Eskimos. Hey, Nate, here's a question for you. Um, return to play is such an important part of sport at every single level. I think at the younger levels, even as we get into the higher competitive levels where athletes are starting to specialize, um, there's such a rush to return to play, and that's sometimes a really bad idea. Um, how do you guys think about return to play after an injury, Nate? Well, it's uh, important. We go through everything with all of our doctors and our whole team and make sure that everyone's on the same page for how long um, guys are going to be out for and then doing a, a comprehensive uh, return to play outline um, to get a goal, a target game usually, or this is the game to return. And so these are the things that we're going to have to do leading up. And I think that at the younger developmental uh, level, those things get missed a lot. I think, you know, um, especially if players are following up with the family doc and they say, you know, we'll try this or sit out for two weeks and then just try running a bit. I think if they take more time to actually map out their plan for return to play and how they're, how they want to attack it, the, setting some smaller goals along the way, like this is what I want to be doing by this week or by this stage. And if it's a six week injury, it's a six step process of week to week to get back in. And that's the way that we kind of look at things um, to try to get guys back. And uh, yeah, the mental aspect, the physical aspect, but it's ultimately what they have to do on the field. Are they ready? And then how are we going to get them there as quick, but as safe as possible to yeah allow them to have success when they come back? Oh, and you said a magic word there, Nate, safe as possible. You guys are working in maybe two of the most brutal sports out there in terms of uh, body contact and injuries. Let's face it. I mean, the NHL players, they're skating 20 to 30 miles an hour. And every time that ball goes to play and the uh, goes into play in the gridiron, um, those contacts are equal of, of car accident G-force forces. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of issues to go there. So you have to be very, very careful in both of these sports. TD, in the hockey world, uh, we know there's... Um, uh, a lot of opportunities for young players to play at, at high levels now, at every single age. Rep teams and kids are playing year-round now. We are seeing an increase in sports-specific or, or specialization-related injuries, burnout issues. But for both of you guys, and, and maybe TD for you right now, uh, we're seeing dropout rates right now, uh, at the highest we've ever seen in sport, around 12, 13 years of age. Um, again, we talked about this briefly. You're a dad. You've been through. You've been around sport all of your life. Does that really concern you? I mean, what does that affect you guys at the pro level? And does it concern you as a dad and as a pro and just as a as an ambassador in sport? Well, uh, yeah. I mean, you, you you'd like your uh, your daughter, your son to, to to go through the sport and be part of their life, you know, for forever and at whatever sport that they're doing. Um, you know, I think that they're. There's a couple of th- factors with that. Obviously, one is that uh, there's other things that draw kids away, um, you know, just with the, the number of social media things that are out sure. there, uh, gaming situations, that's becoming bigger and bigger. Um, 
you know, a bit, a better, uh, yeah, for sure, a better focus on the uh, on, on just being mentally healthy. Um, you know, sometimes when you start getting on those really high level focus teams, it's a lot of pressure on on kids. Um, and parents are just like, I just, I'm not going to have that for my kid. And so then they, they might decide with oh, the child, yeah. with the child just to say, you know what, I think we're going to go in this direction or, or maybe, you know, you're, you're a little more stressed at when you play hockey, maybe we, we should try football or, or whatever it might be. And, uh, I, you know, I think that, uh, the specialization we, we've talked about it when, when, back when we went through university and, and it's still the same philosophy but i don't think we're practicing it the way we need to right that kids should be playing a variety of sport and activities and not focusing on one uh i guess unfortunately the ones that uh nowadays from my perception i i don't deal with a lot of youth sport but it seems like the ones that are specializing tend to reach that higher level uh, uh i know in saying that though uh i know that a significant n- number and I, I i can't put a an actual value on it but of the pro teams that i've worked for um the best athletes uh number one of the best people but the best athletes are also the ones that have done a few sports yeah they have seems that way yeah it does you know i mean there's going to be certain exceptions in anything in life but um if they've done a variety of things they seem to be the ones that rise rise to the top and i think it's partly because you learn skills from other sports but you also uh, learn different philosophies or different, uh, you know, mentally a different type of way to think about the game. Uh, and I think that's, you know, specialization, I think, is, is something that um, I think everybody in our position would say that we need to, to minimize and, and, and have a variety of things. Uh, I think, un- unfortunately, practice has, isn't uh, exactly what we've been talking about. Yeah, for sure. We've heard NHL coaches and pro football coaches talk about the lack of athleticism in their players. You get them off the gridiron or off the ice, they can't throw a baseball or, you know, they can't run through hoops. They just have because they've been so specialized. Hey, Nate, one quick one before we go here. I want to get to this before we go. When we come back, we're going to talk about head injuries, what we know now about brain injuries, because you guys are, are two of the, the greatest experts I know on this topic, and it's such an important topic. Uh, but TD mentioned something really important, uh, the gaming side of things. We've heard of uh, last year in training camps, um, NFL teams limiting uh, gaming or trying to limit gaming of their players. We've heard it in NHL. We've heard it in um, in professional baseball. Do you guys have any issues or guidelines when it comes to gaming uh, with your team, Nate? Actually, not really. We don't. I, we don't have any of uh, the systems here, like at the stadium. So I know that they've kind of limited it in, in in that way. We don't have anything here um, in terms of stuff uh, on the road. Like I, I know that they just say like limit the amount of screen time if you can, but we don't actually have an official policy other than just to say like, you know, be smart about it. If you're up all night on your game, then how effective are you going to be at practice the next day and those kinds of things? And watch what you're dedicating your time to. Um, that's about it for us. Yep, I like it. And that can go for your kids at school, your kids in your minor league sports as well. So that goes across the board. Hey, listen, we got to cut out for a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk head injuries, what we know about head injuries, the long-term effects, and we're going to talk to everybody about how to manage them if they happen with two of the best in the business right after this on Crush Performance. Stick around. Find out what it takes to be a top performer. Get the Crush blog, podcast, and newsletter at crushperformance.com. Now, back to the show. 
All right, everybody, welcome back to Crush Performance. Jeff Grishel here, the con man. Today we are talking player performance, player health, injury prevention with two of the best in the business, two of my great friends, T.D. Forrest, the head athletic trainer for the Edmonton Oilers, and Nate Hay joins us over the Crush Hotline, the head athletic trainer for the Edmonton Eskimos. Nate, thanks for hanging on over the break. No worries. Great. Hey, guys, we all know uh, Dave Jameson, who, of course, um, hosts the great Dave Jameson show here on TSN 1260. Um, He and I were talking the other day, a really interesting conversation. He plays men's league hockey, and um, he was talking about uh, one of the players who happened to slip backwards, bang his head on on the ice and had some symptoms. But he talked about the fact that, you know, they didn't really know the protocols. They didn't know what to do. And he actually brought up what I think is a really good idea, that we should have some form of just a little plaque inside of every dressing room of every arena or dressing room at every football field, soccer field, um, just outlining the general symptoms. And, and um, you know, if people don't even necessarily read it, potentially we just raise awareness because this is a very, very important topic. Because what we know now about hand injuries, the long-term um, issues that we're still learning about, uh, is an important conversation. As a matter of fact, you know, maybe I'll start it off with this. Um, US, USA Soccer has banned heading soccer balls up to age 12. They wanted to do it up to age 13, but they couldn't quite push it that far. I think they will in the future, and I think Canada and other countries will follow suit. Nate, in your experiences in the... Um, uh, crazy world of professional football. This is a really, really hot topic, but what we've learned uh, has really, really bode, I guess, uh, or bodes well for player health and, and um, um, long-term health, I guess. Is that safe to say? Yeah, I think that even just concussion, concussion awareness, concussion management, um, the way that we treat concussions now has just drastically changed even in the last five years. We recently just did a collaborative study through the U- University of North Carolina um, that the CFL did, um, funded by the NFL. And we just looked at the way that we're the way that we manage concussions and trying to get a standardized um, way of seeing if there's a way of standardizing return to play with concussions. So similar to if you roll an ankle, the way that all the teams might do something fairly similar um, for return to play with concussions. Do we what what is everybody doing? We all have a protocol, but what are we doing within that protocol? And the NFL and and the leaders of the world of concussion want to try to standardize something to say, you know, 10 years ago, it used to be put on your sunglasses and go sit in a dark room for two weeks and then come back and see me when you don't have symptoms anymore and we'll start progressing you through. And we're vastly different now. You know, we want to increase blood flow and do things in a safe, protective manner. Like again, once it's, once the player is ready, we initiate activity a little bit earlier um, you know, they're not in a, in a dark room with sunglasses on anymore all the time. We want them out and doing more things a little bit more active a little bit early. Um, we have the luxury of having some of the best doctors in the world help us go through these things. So it's not necessarily something I'd recommend that just, um, you know, people with concussions start running and moving and stuff like that, but until the, until it's safe. But just the general management of concussion has come such a long, long way, even just in my time with the Eskimos. It's, a, it's crazy. Yeah, it really has. TD, what do you think about the idea of having placards there or just some sort of just general, uh, I guess maybe outlines that people can get their hands on, especially at the young developmental levels where we don't have, as Nate said, the experts around us to take care of everything. Well, I, I think anytime you can uh, appropriately educate people on how to handle situations, uh, you know, whether that be an emergency situation uh, or like with your emergency action plans or 
or something along this line that you're talking about, about how to manage a, uh, a, an acute concussion or potential concussion situation. I think that that's something that, uh, uh, you know, would be a great thing to, to, to look at. Absolutely. It, you know, that way people know can kind of follow along what they should and shouldn't do. Uh, gives them ideas to think what, you know, what to look for and, and, uh, when to see your doctor the next day or when to go to the hospital right away. So, um, you know, absolutely. That's something that, uh, uh, you know, I think would be a wise thing to do every, I, I'm pretty sure every, you know, sport facility in, in, uh, Edmonton has a, uh, an emergency action plan. And if something tr- catastrophic happens on the field or the ice or the gym, how to you know call the uh, appropriate people and get them back out there. And I think that that might be something that uh, you know the, the community could look at. Yeah, is there a resource that you like uh, for let's say the parents in your community? Is there something that you might recommend? Well, I mean, we- I, I think that uh, the one thing that the public needs to continue to to be educated on is that. Uh, um, that there's been multiple symposiums on sport concussion and they get the experts together in the world and, um, they have this symposium and, and then they often come out with, uh, some type of an assessment tool and it's called the SCAT. Right now we're at the SCAT 5 hmm. and it's called the sport concussion assessment tool. And, and, and they're very forthright about giving that out there. You can go online, type in SCAT 5 and that'll give you an idea of the different type of uh, things that you can look at now they they've they've got it to a point where they have it you know for uh, clinicians physicians or therapists when you when a patient comes to your office this is how what you should do they right. have it for uh, you know, people like ourselves athletic therapists physical therapists that are that are um, you know on the field what you know a sheet that we can follow uh, and physicians that might be covering this as well and they also have it for parents and you can take a look and you can have these things and I've used uh, different formats of it, like this. I've used that thing, but I've used all three of those formats, and they make they make a difference. And, the, and it just gives you the confidence to say, ask these questions. If if you're getting any of these answers, do this, um, and then repeat them. And it might be uh, the next morning, it might be later in the day, based on what it is. But um, it's something that, um, um, especially administrators on uh, in in you know different sports and, and and even schools and those type of things that has some relation to sport that that they should have someone on their staff that knows um, what this SCAT 5 is and knows uh, how to point people in the right directions. They don't have to solve the problem. They just have to point them in the right direction so they know what they need to do oh, next. good point. Really good point, TD. And I also like the fact what you said about the doctors. Listen, these doctors are, are, are saints on earth because they, they really, really do well. Our general practitioners, our family doctors, but they can't know it all. Right. And so you, uh, I, I agree, it's really important that you ask the right questions. Hey, Nate, on your end, and I know TD uh, could speak to this as well, um, the baseline scoring now is really, really important. And again, maybe that's not practical for everybody to get done, especially the developmental levels. Uh, but for football, getting a baseline is really, really important. Um, what kind of assessments do you guys do in football right now? Or what kind of trends are you seeing, Nate? And uh, how accessible might that be if you know uh, for the developmental levels or for the moms and dads out there who might be worried about their young young uh, sp- uh, athletes and sportsmen. Yeah, I think that for for us, for sure, it's imperative to get those baselines. And we actually, as part of our mandated protocol, which I'm sure it is in the NHL as well, is we have two different types of baselines that we have to do. One is called the impact test, which I believe is accessible to all people online, but reading the results uh, is a little bit uh, more tricky for the general public. But impact test, which is like a neurological exam that you do uh, on the computer, and then the, and then the SCAT, so the SCAT 
five baseline we do for all of our players before they hit the field. And every player that comes in through the door um, has to have one of those before they practice. And we and we do that for every player. And we used to have another tool called the, the King Devic, which was like an eye. Uh, you could do it on pen and paper or an iPad and you read numbers and it just gets a idea of how good you're, you're computing between the vision and the brain and how uh, making sure that everything is good there. And in order to get a valid test result, you need first need a baseline. So we're not using that tool this year, but those are three that we uh, have just recently used or are still using uh, for our for our athletes. That would be accessible to the public as well. Yeah, great. And just for everybody out there, the baseline is a test we take early on as soon as possible. It gives us sort of an idea of what the athlete is like in a normal, healthy state. If there is an incident, we can then retest and see if there's a difference compared to that baseline. Really, really important. Uh, TD, we're almost out of time. Guys, we could talk for hours here, but I wanted to get this in, especially when it comes to head injuries, because I think the Sidney Crosby episode really, really opened our eyes a few years ago to what this whole thing was all about. Isn't it incredible that you could see one of the most scary, devastating impacts, collisions that you'd ever see, and the guys walk away, no problem, and then you see guys that might just sort of fall down harmlessly and they're out for six weeks. The head injury, we don't have that down yet. We don't really understand it, but that's one of the mysteries and that's why it's such a process. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, When we were talking off the air, I I was mentioning how you could have a very slight bump. You could even land on your butt and have the force transmit up through to your head and you could have, end up having a, a lengthy concussion. Again, you could slip on ice, bang your head and you may only have symptoms for a day or two and then and, and be able to come back after you go through a protocol, but come back after a week. So really, the velocity and the s- significance of the blow, um, you, right now we can't say if it's a small blow, you have a small or short-term concussion, uh, or if you have a large blow, you have a long-term concussion. We don't know that yet. We don't know why we can't pick that up, but a small small blow or, or indirect force that goes through the head could put a person out for a long time. Uh, something really significant might keep them out not as long. And so it's important to know that, um, and sometimes another good point is sometimes you could bang your head and you don't feel it till the next day. Right. And then you're like, well, why am I not feeling good today? Well, thinking back, you're like, oh, I remember banging my head today. So sometimes it takes 24, maybe even 40 hours or longer sometimes for those things to come out, uh, for those symptoms to come up. So it's good for the public to know that, that um, you, know, you don't have to be knocked out to have a concussion. You can just bang your head and end up having a concussion. Yeah. And I think then on the other end of the spectrum is that you might bang your head and you might have symptoms for a long time, let's say two, three, four, five weeks. And sometimes it's not always coming from your brain. So for example, if you have a ligament or, or a muscle or something that's in the, in the back of, your, uh, back of your, your head and your neck, it might be causing some spasm and it might be the actual thing that's causing those symptoms. So um, I know that sounds confusing, but I get the point that I'm trying to make is that, is that if, if you've banged your head and you're concerned about a concussion, you should, you not should, you need to see some professionals because they're the ones that are going to be able to map that out for you and tell you when you're safe to return and when you're not. And if it's actually coming from, a, from a, the blow to the head or if something else is actually causing some of those symptoms because there's some overlaps and different injuries. Yeah, great stuff. Guys, listen, unfortunately, we're out of time. Boy, we have to do this more often. Nate, listen, uh, thanks for coming on. I know you guys had late treatments today and I uh, really want to thank you for coming on. I can't wait to get uh, all three of us in studio here. Uh, but good luck uh, down the stretch here, Nate, and all the best to you and the team there. Great. Thank you very much. Uh, go West. 
All right, go S. TD, thanks for coming in today. We know that uh, it's a busy schedule for you as you guys get ready for your season. So really, really appreciate it. Can't wait to have both you guys in again. Thanks a lot. All right. Conman, my good friend. Thanks so much, man. Good to see you again. Great to be back in studio with everybody here. And uh, we got to talk NFL because, man, this has got to be one of your favorite times of the year. <laughs> we are getting very close. I think a lot of people's favorite time of the year. Lots going on. Yeah, for sure. And we have a great fall of uh, Crush Performance coming up. So stick around, everybody. We'll talk to you next week right here on Crush Performance. This is a Sitting Ringside with David Penzer Quick Fix on Radio Influence. This week on Sitting Ringside brought to you by CBS Sports HQ. Brand new segment, Whatever Happened To? And we're going to start it out by talking to former WCW superstar Ice Train. Real name Harold Hogue. We're going to talk to Harold about how he got involved in the professional wrestling business. Tell some great fun stories about his time in Germany with some of my favorite people, Dave Finley, Dave Taylor, and Tony St. Clair. Great stuff that we talk about, plus returning to WCW, his thoughts about wrestling the Steiners and tag teaming with Scott Norton. Did he ever consider going to WWF slash E? And why did he leave the wrestling business? Plus... Whatever happened to, what's he doing now? Find out that and lots more. The great conversation with Ice Train brought to you by CBS Sports HQ. Sitting ringside with David Penzer can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, and RadioInfluence.com.